<laughs> he slaps he slaps a Dutch on like nobody's fucking business. Right. There are some people, Joel Schumacher, who fucking just well. There was a movie that Bird and I were watching the other. Oh, it's Triple X. We were watching Triple X the other day, dude. And there's that movie is literally just like a fucking yeah. pachinko machine. Yeah. It's like Dutch tilt, next shot. Dutch tilt, next shot. Dutch tilt, next shot. Dutch tilt. You're like, oh my god. It's almost like <laughs> vertical at one point. Dude, so Dutch. It goes from like sometimes it'll be like. It'll come from like a Dutch to like the same angle Dutch, but just a little more. More Dutch. So you're like, you're like, it's a right Dutch to an even writer Dutch. And you're like, I'm going to stop watching this movie. <laughs> even more writer Dutch. <laughs> like pretty soon you're just like the, you know, the screen just. Like just, a, just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut. Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut. Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks, and come and listen in. We're measuring flicks. Let's all right. Let's let's make the pivot since we talked an hour about Legite. So now we're talking about Twelve Monkeys, ninety-five, yeah. directed by Terry Gilliam. Originally, obviously written by Chris Marker, but this script was read uh, written by David Webb and Janet Peoples. That's David Webb Peoples and Janet Peoples. I think they're a married couple. Uh, starring Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt, Madeline Stowe, David Morse, and Christopher Plummer, and like a hundred thousand other people. Yes. This is one thing about Gilliam films. There's always. Always a gigantic cast, even if some of them are only there for like one giant yep. ensemble scene. Mm-hmm. But there's always a billion fucking people involved. Most people are like I want to, I'll, I'll be in a scene. Well, it's I feel like Gilliam is kind of like Tarantino or kind of like David Lynch or like Cronenberg. Yeah, where you're like you hear the name and every actor in Hollywood's like I don't care what the fuck it is I want to be. A oh, part that's of it. interesting. Yeah, I could, I could I was just thinking I could see Gilliam like walking down the streets of New York and like everybody with that kind of and the rest of us would be like oh that person's a little creepy and walk away. He's like I need your name and number. <laughs> yeah, because I'm gonna put you in a <laughs> pair of sunglasses and uh, give you a syringe. And I'm gonna, gonna ask you to say uh, tell him about the goddamn golf shoe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And, and change your fucking life And then you're gonna have to go back to your normal job And yeah. no one's gonna trust you But you know, Right, you'd be like, what are your credentials And be like, I held a needle in a Terry Gilliam <laughs> yeah, exactly. Said some cryptic shit <laughs> Like, whoa, okay, well <laughs> You could be the new face of our company Sure, you're a famous Hollywood actor Exactly um, So like, diving diving right in Up, off, up, the, up top the see I'm I can't talk nope, for it's shit all good. either. I'm rubbing off on you. The rotated, much like I did. Put your pants back on. In the solo, in solo mode. <laughs> solo mode. It's all falling apart. It's all falling apart. The rotating spiral of monkeys. Yeah. Yes. That's just the intro to Vertigo, guys. Yes. It's just the spinning wheel again. The spiral monkeys intro is a nod to Vertigo, now, which I love. This fucking score is impeccable. Amazing. Yeah. Very bold. Yes. Very. Uh, 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 you can, earwormy, you can't yep. get it Dude, out. Yeah. The twelve, the actual theme for like, there's a theme that pops in. Yes, that pops in for the twelve monkeys. It's almost like it's almost like Wizard of Oz, like flying. Is it being played on a? It's not an accordion. It's one of those like squeeze boxy sort of things. The oh, good question. Yeah, but the rest of the score is not that way. So every time they hit that twelve monkeys score, you perk up. Jarring as you definitely are. Like you look, you know what? You start looking for graffiti. Yep. Yeah. Start wondering where where Brad Pitt's contact lenses are going to be in this scene. The early part of my notes is literally just me. Being like, well, there's a nod to Lajete. Yeah. Well, there's a nod to Lajete. <laughs> That's true. It's, well, especially <laughs> as you're getting introduced to the underground and to the scientists, yeah. it's like, the first, oh, the costumes are actually just the exact same with a little more budget first, and the, design. And the first it. shot is a man right. getting shot to death in an airport. Yep. The next shot is Bruce Willis awakens in a hammock. Yep. In the He's same a prisoner. Is yep. a prisoner in the same. He's being extracted from. Uh, I love that, by the way, where they're like. Volunteer, yeah. Volunteer Johnson one six five. Volunteer. They called your name, man. They called your name. I love it. I love it. Maybe you'll be fine. Maybe you're gonna get a pardon. Yeah, that's where everybody. But here's the thing. He's Bruce Willis a little bit up top, and he loses his Bruce Willis. As we he go definitely along. John McClane's when he wakes uh, up from the the hammock where he's like, we only have a cigarette. Uh, right. Smoke up if you got a little it. early in the morning for explosions and war. Yeah. And you're like. Well, actually, there's a total nod to Pulp Fiction in this movie, which is amazing because Pulp Fiction came out one year previous to this. Really? Yeah. Well, when Fun. they so when they wake up later on, when Bruce Willis and uh, Madeline says Stowe, he's a chopper baby. <laughs> 
uh, whose chopper is this crazy homeless man? Zed's, Zed's dead, just, baby. Zed's dead. <laughs> I did kill him, but right. he. I all I see is dead people. Which is funny because in the sixth sense. No, because he says I see dead. All he I says see all dead I see are dead people. people. And then like Jelly Hole Osment looks up at him and he's like, whatever the fuck that kid's name is. I he goes, cry. I see dead people, and Bruce Willis is like, that's oh, my line, kid. All I see are dead people. <laughs> all I see are dead people. And he's like, that's what I said. That's what I said. You're but stealing sort of my. You added more words. You're though. lame. <laughs> I've been seeing dead people long. No, I, my par- I, I shouldn't hang out with you. I think you're a ghost. You're bad influence. You're, you're bad, bad ghost influence. Bad ghost influence. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I like uh, I like I like how we open. Where you know we like okay. One thing we should get like one thing that, not get out of the way because it's cool. But like my god, dude. One thought I had is that every single Gilliam movie I've ever seen, Gilliam has a, a, a there's like a visual thumbprint that goes on all of yeah. his movies, and it's a Dutch clutter. Mm, yep, yep. And cluttered. He yes, he he loves paperwork as much as I but, do. But you know Gilliam's what? use of the Dutch tilt highly effective. Oh yes, very 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 measured. Very it's a chosen, useful. Yeah. Like the Dutch tilt gets such a bad rap. Well, because he uses a lot of camera motion too. Like mm-hmm. he'll he'll put the push that right. fucker in on a Dutch. And he'll go from low to high too. I love so when he does when he like, yeah. To yeah, see yeah, him yeah. push in on a Dutch or move a Dutch but keep the angle. Yeah. Cool. You don't see that no. very often. Usually a Dutch is shot on a stick. It feels <laughs> it like it's dumb. Uh, like right. super wide and almost fisheye. That's I was gonna too. mention that. Yeah, he he really uses the fisheye well, where again you get that very we were talking about it on Dark City, you get a lot of deep focus then from mm-hmm. that. Right. And and but also it I've always felt like like putting a wide angle up in somebody's face. Not only does it make their nose big, but you kind of feel like you're you're looking into their skull a little yep. bit. You kind of feel like you're ripping them open yeah, a little yeah. bit. But it works well when you're doing a post-apocalyptic about sci-fi. crazy people. Yeah, yeah. when yeah. you like when you pull in with like, and not all of his fish eyes are like crazy blown no. out. You know, like the oh. the gish. They, they're just enough where you're cover. like, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you're but when you're supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah. All that stuff in the like the mental institution. Yeah. Like yeah. every which is one of my see. This is the, that's one of the weird things about this movie is in my head. Almost the whole movie takes place in that mental institution. Because it kind of does. It's like the first oh, third. Oh, funny. Yeah. Look at you being it. clever. Does I know. Well, every once in a while. That's one of those moments that me and you normally just kind of like ignore. Gloss. <laughs> too smart. Too smart on us. We're like, but uh, I'm I trying, Yeah, but I'm well, like, think I know, about that. <laughs> well, here's my supporting yeah. the theory is because we always have a television or something behind the character when they're really intense about something and it tends to ape oh, the shit. person in front of them. I love that. So Brad Pitt, when he's doing the whole thing, the madness, yeah. it's like Looney Tunes playing yeah, behind yeah, him. Yeah. And they are <laughs> they're in the same cadence and pattern that he is in. Yeah. And throughout the film, as people are discovering something or having a moment of there is a some sort of projection behind yeah. them that is Mimicking or responding to that in some way until the very end when they finally are on the same team and she believes in the army of the the 12 monkeys and he's back on board. It's it's now they are now on those television projections behind them. They have now replaced the image that is mimicking and they are now once they both are on the same page, they replace the visual imagery behind them. So they're so they've now become so they're the thing there's their reality mm-hmm. and has their simulated the, reality yes, has now become the same thing. Become the same. Yeah. So this is like that. This is like that. Uh, that like powerful visualization thing we were talking about earlier, where, like, where you know, it's this. It's like an as above, so below kind of moment mm-hmm. where you're talking about like on the surface, here's Bruce Willis in a mental institution, but on the background is Woody the Woodpecker banging. Yep. So like you've got. You've got what you're presenting and what the the simulated reality yep. or the if I oh, dude I don't know it's interesting mm-hmm. and and because I'm also now realizing too um, that late like about two thirds of the way through the movie as this kind of shift starts to happen you're also seeing there's also the scene where one of the last times he goes back to Back to the Future yes. um, he's in the future again and they have a whole scene where we don't actually look at him we look at him on that ball of TVs and we <clears> see <throat> his face there instead of seeing the instead actual of seeing him. him yep. I like have slipping into it. This I is have interesting. two little chunks here that like kind of relate to this idea. So let me hit those yeah. really quick. The first one is L.J. Washington um, in the mental institution. This is I the am guy. The I am. Of I am. I don't really come from outer space. I love that guy. This is. 
Sneezes are a big no, no. I'm sorry, I tried to stifle him. With gut dogs, you have to kill him now. I'm sorry, Carl. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, <laughs> well, you'll have more meat. <laughs> All right, so. Share some with me. LJ, this is LJ Washington. He doesn't really come from outer space. Don't mock me. So he goes, LJ Washington, I don't really come from outer space. It's a condition of mental divergence. I find myself on the planet Ogo, part of an intellectual elite preparing to subjugate the barbarian hordes of Pluto. But even though this is a totally convincing reality for me in every way, nevertheless, Ogo is actually a construction of my psyche. I am mentally divergent in that I am escaping certain unnamed realities that plague my life here. When I stop going there, I will be well. Are you also also? divergent, friend? And then LJ Washington leans his head on Cold's shoulder. This is a fucking crazy shot because there's two mirrors at play. So while LJ Washington is originally delivering his speech, we're looking past Washington, past Bruce Willis, to a guy in the background who's dancing with himself in a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. When we cut to the other angle where we're looking at Bruce Willis's face and LJ Washington's going to lay his head. So here's Bruce Willis's head and LJ Washington's head is going to lay here. There's a mirror here that's reflecting the mirror that's reflecting the guy dancing in it. So it's a guy dancing into a mirror, into a mirror over Bruce Willis's shoulder. And when LJ Washington leans his head on Cole's shoulder, the reflection of the man dancing with himself in another mirror is absorbed by the space that is exactly Washington's head. As If you were to superimpose the images, that man would be dancing with himself in a mirror in his mind. A visual metaphor for LJ Washington's specific mental illness. That's fascinating. How fucking crazy is that? I love that. Dude, that shot is... When I when I saw that like those pieces all fall together, I was like, "Gilliam's a master." Yeah. yeah, and that's and that's his that's the thing he's let's say notorious for, especially when he was younger, is he would drive people crazy. Like, there's a shot that he's kind of infamous for um, when Bruce Willis is injecting himself with a syringe. It's this really wide shot, and they talk about the fr- the the set that they build is only what you see. Like an right. inch outside, it would be just a, a lot or a back or a, a soundstage. Um, but then in one like little thing behind like a semi frosted piece of glass there's a hamster on a wheel and Gilliam did that shot like 34 times because he wanted the hamster to be running while Bruce Willis is doing this shot in his thing you know to nowadays you can't get the hamster to run yeah I know exactly it's CG like, it yeah, yeah or, or just you know like because it's a still image just crop just the crop images it, together yeah. or whatever <clears throat> but you know that's that's the thing he's known for but you're right because it's moments that you just described that make that worth it you know yeah. what I mean like where, that's an yeah. incredible bit of like just blocking your shots too yeah so like we need to hang a mirror here so that it reflects to another mirror here so that when the camera is here and jeff how is it shooting with mirrors around is that is oh, it it's so is it fun handy? yeah it's really easy Super it's a easy. fucking nightmare so there's great. nothing worse Everything's the best. <laughs> i shot one bathroom scene one time and the fucking angles i had to be in to not show up in the mirror i literally there's a shot in marlin that is a that is literally one of my cameramen holding a window frame with his feet on the window frame, <laughs> hanging out a second story window just to get away from the mirror. Yeah. I was like, if that he dies, kid, he dies. Yeah, he dies, literally, he dies. I was like, the shot's like a minute long, so save up. How's your strength. grip strength? I, I was sitting there when we were shooting that, and I was like, he's gonna fucking die. That guy's gonna fall out of my window but and die. Did we die. get the shot, though? Yeah, you gotta get the shot. You gotta get the fine. shot. He did, and it was a naked lady shot. Ooh. You, dude, you wanna nail nudity because you don't wanna ask your actress oh, to do yeah, it two times, yeah. so it's like, all right, roll. Steven, don't fall and die. <laughs> it was so fun. But yeah, mirrors suck unless you use them this well. That was such a great shot. So here's my other note, actually, that kind of reinforces Carl's read on like the, the screens thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, not just the screens thing, but also like the possible possible hints that the nature of reality, the genuine nature of reality is different than what's being presented right. in the film. So I wrote, this is just... We're jumping all over the place yep. here, of course. Well, so, so this is just monkeys. Su- yeah. true. Su- literally, subtle, subtle similarities. We talked about this in in uh, in Dark City too. We're like, this is chaotic because the movie's chaotic. Yeah, <laughs> you know? we, I mean, this is two two movies out of four. The that Searchers we've watched, is a much but... more linear uh, podcast episode. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll take you from the top to the bottom of that film. Um, but like, we did two movies out of four now that That's are funny on my notes, all about Dutch the fucking <laughs> all about the 
the nature of reality you yeah. know like it's like mind fuck screw you up movies i'm sure our jacob's ladder episode is like not super cohesive either so uh when cole walks so when cole is at the institution during yeah. his escape he walks into a brain scan room and they're literally doing like an like an mri on mm-hmm. somebody right so the patient is being inserted into a tube of glowing neon blue light I jumped around to double check that light in the brain scan room is exactly the same color light of as the time tube that he's being yeah. pushed uh-huh. into when they send him back so it's him on flat on his back on a gurney in an operating room being sent Makes into me think a total glowing. recall man it's like as soon as he jacks in has the memory is he actually still in recall very like, philip k dick yeah kind yeah. of vibe to this thing I will so remember it for you wholesale so there's <laughs> there are more <clears throat> the solitary room that he disappears from where they, they you know during the escape he knocks that guard out or whatever and they drag him into this this big beautiful like bird's eye shot down into this really really deep set that they've built that's a solitary confinement room where he's like strapped mm-hmm. into right, a table, right right with a weird <clears throat> nowhere to escape from right yeah yeah so and also like so he's he's strapped down in that room with his head down i believe and when he wakes up He's in exactly the same solitary confinement set, just dirtied up to make it look like the future. Right. And he's head up now. Mm -hmm. So he's flipped. There's another note that pops up about that room in the solitary confinement place. Um, When the people... So the people uh, in the future, there's all those people at the table. Mm -hmm. When those people in the future are at that table proposing his mission to the past there's this weird one-off shot that's not connected to anything else that i noticed when i was watching 12 monkeys the second time so there's a one-off shot of a piston-like device moving in and out of the center of a piece of lit machinery so there's like this like mouth there's like a circular apparatus that's lit and there's like a piston moving in and out Mm -hmm. of the interior but that is not present that piece of machinery is not present at that room where the 12 people at the table are that piece of machinery is in it's not in the silver chair room it's in the future solitary confinement cell. Mm-hmm. That's the only place that it is in this building. So while he's being talked to by these people at the table, there's a shot from this perspective of him laying on the bed looking up at that machinery that's yep. in the solitary confinement room. So is that like in um, in Dark City, are these the the slideshow images of his childhood and then suddenly one's upside down and then you just keep Mm -hmm, going. So he's seeing the people on the, and he's looking at the screen and then there's one shot of reality and then he's back in and they're giving him his mission. Right, because we clip to it and then they clip back. Wait, what was that? And then it goes back to the, or there was, no, that was, no, yeah, that's, that was a different thing where it goes to the pig. The, it pops to the pig, pig and then and it then pops, pops back, back right. which is a smart way to do that because we need the pig we need the as pig information. To understand it. So they yeah. give us one extra slide, so it's the last one in the sequence, so we'll remember it. Like this movie's even aware of like order processing, like yes. essentially like how human psychology works, yes. and it uses that to manipulate us through its filmmaking yeah. choices, so like La Jete does. Like it's yep. it's not. This is a w- totally worthwhile adaptation just because it's cool to see a modern director apply some modern tools mm-hmm. and use to try and pull the same old-fashioned levers that La Jete is operating. And we see some of the best performances from Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt. Oh, right. my God. <clears throat> For it's sure. like if if Tyler Durden was on, like, amphetamines. Well, so. it's funny. I, I made, There's a note. <laughs> I, I, I love the, uh, the conspiracy theory, not conspiracy theory, but the theory of, like, that Fight Club is just a movie that took place in this Brad Pitt's head. In this Brad head, yeah. In the asylum. <laughs> <laughs> that, this, that this is actually, you know, Tyler Durden, and he's just imagining what we saw later as Oh, Fight my Club. God. I love that Isn't idea. That well, I couldn't get the, the 12 Monkeys thing to work out, so I'm going to blow up a bunch <laughs> of buildings. <laughs> exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Like, in, in all realities, he's like this counter-revolutionary, like, take down right. society. I love that. That we and don't know he mellowed real. out, and then he wanted to just be, like, a, a thief. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just chill. Can you join the oceans team? You know, man. Like I'm, I'm sitting over here trying to just go through my notes all calm. But now you've like shook me. Now I'm not sure because now I'm like I'm thinking about. Well, he when he got back from the surface world, they scrubbed him down. Like pretty much exactly when they yeah scrubbed him him down when they pulled him out of the surface world and threw him into this institution. Fuck. Here's so this is more of that Gilliam thing that I love, like known for little details, the hamster on the wheel, that sort yeah. of stuff. 
as they're bringing in um, Madeline Stowe to come and talk to Bruce Willis's character, we we do a, like a slow like side scroller shot, low angle, so we're seeing her from like the waist down, and we're seeing like prisoners, and we go low so that I think so we can see this one guy, this drunk who's sitting next to the bars, and there's vomit outside oh, yeah. the cell on the ground. That is such a small thing, but it goes such a long way to create atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's a real Brazil vibe to the yeah. prison where like yes, it looks like there's more cell than there should be. Like bars going kind of way up into he creates a really interesting looking industrial space. Mm-hmm. Some right. of the exteriors of the city later look like fucking Omega Man, you know? Yeah, like sure truly. Do. But there's this great bit where we go past the guard and the guard has got his feet up and he's reading a newspaper mm-hmm. and he's got gum on the bottom of his shoe. Yep. And this just a little dirty. Dude, yeah. there's just like all and he's gum actually on his and he's reading shoe. a tabloid magazine. Yeah. Right. You know, this fake you know, I I just love the like attention to detail is something that I think is always rewarded. And Dark City is one of the movies that does it well. The yeah. Crow is gonna be one of those movies when we do it yeah. eventually, but we're not talking about that no, movie. We're not talking about it yet. Um, yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's interesting. Um, a few notes that I have that I just think are worth maybe briefly mentioning are um, a few. I think there's a couple thought processes that are slightly ahead of their time, which is. Um, uh, that this movie toys with misogyny a bit more than, um, like in, in a critical way than than I think we're used to seeing. I think like Madeline Stowe, it's not mm. is, is brought in kind of heavy in some places too. It's yeah. very heavy, yeah. yeah but but uh, I mean, when she's first brought, go on. Yeah, sorry, go no, on. no, no, yeah, walk no, us through it. No, no, I just mean, I just mean like you know, I wasn't so you know, you're not so used to seeing it kind of talked about so blatantly as you are in this one, and so it feels like it's kind of Gilliam has to say like. Isn't this weird? Let's mm-hmm, talk about this mm-hmm. as opposed to like let's just actually talk about it. Right. But I I do think um you know of course she's like the most logical insane one in this room. She's also but, top in her field in all of this study. Yeah, that and she, she has, has to do doing. all of this just to have these four white guys tell her like that to she shut is, up. Why she are you gets, being defensive? I think isn't she being defensive? Straight, it's an error in says, judgment. Yeah. She almost says oh oh sweetheart you're fine don't like right right yeah. right but Dude. but before that a lot of this. Was it's just not per- cool really to be a Nazi it. anymore, baby. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, it's good. new movie we're talking about next. We'll talk about it next time, but uh, but no, I'm like it's it's totally true that that scene. Well, the first first scene when they bring her in to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, she's sitting in a gallery and her pager goes off, and you're like, rude, kind of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Silence that shit. She rehearsed pa- pagers. Yeah, yeah pagers. pagers. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, they're in the Matrix, dude. The Matrix is so funny. I still want one of those phones that snap. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Nokia's, yeah, those are the flip phones. Yeah, dude, I. You know what? If I was gonna do it, if I was gonna, they're kind of coming like, back with the folding phones a little bit. You know. Well, they have to because the fucking smartphones are like literally turning our brains into cheese. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, when they first bring her in, the guy's like, "Hell yeah, he's in chains. Knocked out two of my officers. His eyeball fell out. He got Stallone in there. Pretty you? bad shape, Adrian. Listen, yeah. But uh, she's basically like. You know, like, oh, yeah, I, I I, think I'd like to go in and speak to him now. And he goes, oh, well, I better come in with you because he's mentally irregular. Yeah. <laughs> she's, you know, and she's he's like. He's got a bad brain. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the everyone that we see outside of um, Bruce Willis's character who interacts with her, there is a at least a light patina of, um, like, patronizing. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like patronizing. Yeah. Right, what's the what's the proper ter- form of that word I'm trying to say? No, I, th- I think you're. I think right you're right. With, with Patron- what you're trying to say. Yeah. There's they're a, being patronizing. Yeah, they're being patronizing the, and shitty. Patronize. Yeah, yeah. Shitty. There's that's the shitty, word. Shitty. Shitty. A, a, a shitty veneer. A light dusting yes. of shittiness. <laughs> but like there, there is really like a paternal kind of veneer to all of the interactions. Yeah. Yeah. Not veneer, like rust. But yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Like Ugh. all of her, the the language of condescension her, is a strong. Condescension yeah. is a strong through line in this movie. That was one of the things. Like it's it's very like this. Sorry, I'm completely hijacking your thing. No, do you? But think? when I because I was asking about whether La, this adds something adds to La Jatte, and I don't necessarily know that it, it has any 
bigger ideas, but he definitely brings in a lot of other cool, oh, other cool supporting ideas, such as time travel to save a post-apocalyptic society yeah. is kind of hard to yeah. like. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Step it up, Terry. <laughs> Jacob, do you watch Jacob's Ladder? I know it's on yet. your list. I know it is on my Bro, list. Well, if you want to come over for a movie night sometime, just hang out and watch I Jacob's know. Ladder. I, I, lo- I would love to watch you watch that movie. <laughs> I love it. That's what you yeah, Could you just sit in the middle of the couch and we'll just both watch you watch, watch the movie? It. No, Carl. We have it. to be more surreptitious. Mirrors. Mirrors. He won't yes. notice. He won't he notice. Won't notice. So it'll, be, it'll look to you as if we Mirrors are watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway, but, but no, yeah, you're like, there's that, and there's there's these themes of never cry wolf, which is really really reinforced by mm-hmm. the te- by the young boy who's hiding in who's the, hiding in the well. But I thought the that barn. was yeah. I didn't. Th- well, what do you think? Do you no. think that was really effective? No, I think it's very effective. I thought so too. Because it's I'll, playing I'll, on two different things. It's re- it's required yeah. for two very important parts of this film to work. One, it's reinforcing the never cry wolf. Right sort of right. through line of this like especially like someone that has the answers and no one will fucking listen right. to them I'm right. not crying wolf I'm crying truth but everyone is not believing me right. and also it gives us the that moment where she does believe him because he's like oh no he's hiding in the fucking barn so it plays right. on those two okay. very important well, and, and and that's kind of the thing I'm, I would the guess little I'm, boy in the well is like to me one of the most I love that part of this this movie sure I well, love it that. seems kind no, of no, innocuous it's, it's until the payoff. Yeah, well, yeah, and that, yeah. it's the whole thing, and it and it's the, uh, uh, ostensibly it's there to just show. Oh, yeah, he is from the future, right? That's right. That's yeah. what it's meant to be because we're meant to be that. But the voicemail, dude. When he says yes. the, when he says the voicemail in time with her, I when. Dude, I like. I wanted to scream and jump off my couch. Like, what a fucking awesome moment! Because you're like. For what you see, what's happening? Where he's looking around and he sees the line, and he see, and he's realizing that everything's real. Mm-hmm. She thinks that everything's bullshit because it's a carpet cleaning company, right? And then she comes back and starts reciting the thing. And then if, I don't know if you guys have ever seen. It's not a great movie, but there's a movie called Lazarus Effect with Olivia Wilde. See? I watched it because Olivia Wilde's in it. Yeah. But there's a moment where she's got like some like extra good brain and her husband's saying something to her and she starts saying it's a cool scene her dialogue starts hitting just like a half second behind his where she's like saying things and then they're speaking in unison and then she speaks ahead of him that's neat it's really a cool performance because she's like just behind just behind they match and then she Beats him to the words. And There's he a really the cool episode out. of Doctor Who that does the same thing. <laughs> it's like, I mean, like, if you could find a way to write that into anything, I yeah. would love to see two actors, like, work on that. Because oh, yes. it's such a cool effect, and it's just a performative thing. But if you're like, it's... Well, it's it's no so like Sorry, oh, no no I love this no like, I was apologizing to the listeners that was definitely loud they Continue. they love it and that's why they come back. <laughs> It's true. Week after patreon.com slash film to support you to hear these things because they value the love letters you guys write to movies instead of the hate mail, you know, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that most people want to write to, to things. Well, Halloween Ends did get some hate mail from us. Well, sometimes it fucking deserves it. Bro, but. I've been doing that stupid thing where I've just been thinking about that movie. Getting oh, angry. No, no, I've been thinking about it and I'm like, that was kind of interesting. Are you, going, are you going abuse victim where you're like, well, maybe it, maybe, maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe I'm Stockholm syndromed yeah. by this fucking movie. But I was like, well, at least they like we're trying something new. And like, oh God, I know. But like, okay, oh. I know, I know. So, so back to twelve yes. months. Back to twelve months. So the thing I guess I'm kind of getting at with the the Legete comparison is that I don't think it added anything bigger to it. But I think that that was a conscious choice. I think that Gilliam was was didn't want to get in the way of what he was inspired by, but wanted to layer in lots of other cool things and lots sure. of other cool ideas. And I think that that's a really unique choice because yeah. usually they're like, well, if I'm going to make it, it's going to have more aliens in it. Right. Or, you know, bigger, and, bolder. I mean, yeah. the only thing he it really changed it was, it was virus versus a nuclear right. bomb. Right. Well, he right. made it, he, he shot moving images. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> like, true. That's what, a, what a wackadoo. I know, he took a left turn on that one. Um, but, but right, but yeah, it's just, it's, you know, instilling the things that he finds interesting in his vision thumbprint as you say you know with his interesting kind of like recycled uh, uh, look style like that the, he has gar- which like is great the world it's like the entire world one day before garbage day right oh right. my god that's, that's fucking so Gilliam's universe oh uh, shit yeah 
Yeah, just it really is. Dirty it's like fun. A, yeah, it's like a Wednesday. Like if a when t- garbage day is a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Like a tornado hit the local dump. A little wet and the be- day before, and it kind of comes back. I think this is the like the through line of my guest episodes. Here has been this thing of like what's approachable for an aspiring filmmaker though too it's like you don't need to fucking go hire somebody to build a $50,000 time travel suit you can just go get this like clear plastic piece mm-hmm. of hazmat and put some air in it Dude, and yep. like or you can just a dryer hose and yes. like hook it up to a thing and yeah. boom and just you know whatever you got around weld it together you, you know have your own backpack that looks like a jetpack but it's like an old vacuum cleaner like yeah, whatever man like it's got a it. I think part of what makes it so cool is the sci-fi elements of it have like a 1950s, early 1960s sci-fi vibe to sure. them where it's like you know you if there was a robot in this it would have like ho- like hose ducting for arms you yes. know yeah. and that's like in a way I, th- I do think there's like a peak for science fiction and I think that people love the um, the like the jet-packed guy flying around the cosmos like running into alien the buck rogers kind of yeah Yeah. i was trying to think of the name thank you but like people like that buck rogers era they like that forbidden planet style like beep boop beep boop there's something about that we see that and we're like it's it's like this movie grabs just like a like a whiff of nostalgia for an older style of science fiction and then updates it with like animal rights issues mm-hmm. and like bioweapons <laughs> right. and stuff. So like the 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 suit that it's wearing the suit that it's wearing is like a modern film exploring modern ideas and modern relationships, but there's just a touch of that like 1950s cheese in it. Yeah. But that's a, that is also a Gilliam thing. Like you yeah. mentioned it earlier like it, there's a certain like like cheesiness feels like the wrong word because it's it's so awesome most of the time. Right. Like Brazil is a goofy fucking movie sometimes. Yeah. There's like a little like well, a it, loving little like clownishness. It's the, or, it's the laughing at something because because if you don't, you'll cry. It's that feel. It's he, you know it's it's like okay, I've got to be, I've got to, I've got to say, doesn't this look goofy, or else I'm going to just be depressed. Be, yeah, be like destroyed. By yeah, it. you know what his yeah. his worlds feel like to me is like a bunch of little kids who all grew up, but they're playing pretend as adults. Oh my yep. god, one that's more so time. good. And it's reinforced. Well, by, Baron Munchausen is very. That's much literally that. what that's, that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is, but it's also it's it's a little it's these people pretending. The one at the end, we see that the woman that ended up being his lead scientist torturer is on this plane next to uh, Morse, David Morse, David Morse, yeah. And um, you know, she's just some actuary with no fucking background, no fucking she's skill in, set she, that would leave she's her. She's in to, an insurance. Yeah, but to, to be this person, but in you know, in the future, she's gonna be. But I wonder. Oh, you okay? Okay, yeah. sure, sure, sure. What if I'm in insurance means I'm here as insurance sure. in case Bruce Willis I, failed to kill you? I, that's I. You know what? God, that's so funny because you just time traveled back to 13 year old Jeff when I saw this the first time, and that was the interpretation I had of that. And that's the happy ending, right? If you want a happy if you want ending, happy ending, that's the one. It's the she re- does. It's look, like a release valve that fucking Gilliam put in the yeah. movie. It it almost feels like a studio nod to me, like. It can't end. La Jetée ends all the way dark. Yes. This, that's like the most Gilliam answer to a studio note you could possibly yeah. have. Where it's can like, you okay, put a happy ending in this? Yeah, sure. I can do yeah. that. I'm and an insurance. insurance. <laughs> it's like, that is true. God, that is fascinating. I think, I think that if we had to debate it, I think that she is definitely, she's not meant to be coming back From to the do future. it. Because, because she's, she looks a little younger. She yeah. looks a little less haggard or whatever. Sure. But... So does his friend who comes back and sees him in the airport Correct. and gives him a gun. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't That's look, true. you know what I mean? So I like, feel like he God, did change the I don't know that he made it to the phone the first time around. How many has this happened more than once? Or this is the only time this has happened? Well, that's the weird oh, squirrely man. nature Because of time. if he is a kid again and sees himself, so he'd be back on that merry-go-round if it right. didn't work the first time. Right. Because then he'd go back. Like that, that would have happened the way it happened now. Yeah. And he would be older, Bruce. So I've been going wondering, back in time. I've been wondering. If maybe each time he gets closer and closer to fulfilling the destiny, where he can actually just be a kid. And she definitely doesn't know him when she sees David Morse on the plane. No, she does not. She's not like 
I'm an insurance bitch. You know, she's like, <laughs> right. she's John she, Wick. She, yeah, she 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 doesn't. There is a slight. There is a slight. I'm an insurance. There is a little I think bit. I give you just enough that if you want to be like, and the world it's like doesn't. The, it's the so it's the top spinning at Nor- the end normally, of yeah. Normally, I hate that shit. I hate when the filmmakers look. are kind of like it's you a, decide, and it's like no, no. I give me a fucking ending though. Yeah, decide, exactly. And then for me to be mad at you, but exactly. <laughs> but but I'll I, say this: Halloween ends fucking ended it yeah they did it ended they, they that movie is over they decided dude you're never gonna watch it it sucks oh i know dude at the end of the movie they they kill michael myers for real it yeah. happens you watch it happen then they strap his body i fucking love this they strap his body to the roof of a car drive it through Haddonfield, basically just being like check out this dead ass motherfucker <laughs> oh there's a marching band dude, <laughs> the whole town comes out and they're like this is some hardcore shit they drive down to and you're like wow so he's really dead the whole town saw him dead yeah. and they're like we're not done they drive to a junkyard fire up the car grinder and then oh the grinder not even just the, the, grinder, oh, not the, press, the grinder oh, a the one that grinder. can take a fucking forklift yeah. and then they take <laughs> Michael Myers they take Michael Myers body and Laurie Strode shoves his old it's literally you're just watching grandpa die yeah they grind up a geriatric it's fucking nuts he's got no mask on and he Does like he look old in it he looks he's old like, as shit so you see his face full on and like if his if he's face or if he's he breaks like backwards through it and there's like hot dog chunks flying oh out my God. you see his head pulverized like this movie is like and by the way, when we say Michael Myers is fucking dead, he we is fucking it. dead. That but, movie did it. But what you and, and correct me if I'm wrong, what you hate about the movie is the is the guy that Every they try other to take over the it. mantle of it, right? That correct. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Because because I kind of love this thought of like going, no, no, we kill him for reals. Really, really, really just kill the shit yeah. out of him. I kind of dig that. Yeah. That's not yeah, usually that's, done. I, leave it it was open. The, I, like I we said it on the episode. Like <laughs> that last it, until we get into the denouement where Laurie's just narrating the novel that she wrote. Poorly but like that chunk, when they kill Michael Myers and grind his ass up, that yeah. chunk of that movie, chef's nice. kiss. Fucking perfect. It's just all the rest of the movie yeah. is <laughs> Um but so all right, sorry, back into Lajate. Yeah, yeah. Um Twelve Monkeys. Twelve Monkeys. The the new Lajate. He time traveled. <laughs> <laughs> So welcome to to uh, Quillen Film. My Ned. name is Jeff. I'm from the basement. <laughs> I'm Carl. I'm from Fart Town. I love these lighters. <laughs> I like to go farter. Hey, Jeff, I got that for you. Jeff got us these. <laughs> oh my god. Weird time traveling. <laughs> you dumb um, assholes. I'm a mental patient. I'm supposed to act out. <laughs> my father is God. I worship him. Um, <laughs> Such a quotable movie, dude. So there's so many movie. good ones in here. Monkey. Monkey, the Monkey. time is now. Yes. Games, games, games that want to get out. Even so Brad Pitt's like weird yes. random character dealing with time, no. the nature of time. Yes. Yeah, I love no. that. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. And that's the other thing too is like there's a – with LJ Washington, when he says, when I cease to go there, I will be well. And the implication there is that once he resigns himself to this yep. material plane with which he has issues severe enough that he seeks to escape them by creating and stru- uh, constructing false realities inside his own mind, once he it, it just resolves himself to a life of drudgery and suffering, like Brad Pitt's character says underneath the television, when he's like, when you're a good consumer and you buy products, you're, well, when you stop buying products and stop producing, Ooh. what are you? You're mentally ill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the fact that in order for LJ Washington to get well, he has to become like a miserable, a miserable human, a yeah. cog in the yep. machine. There's a lot and of that, that in and here, though. That's Gi- that's Gilliam 101 right there. That's man. pretty totally. much every film he's ever yeah. made. That is his. Yeah, and, and he has a profound way. Thing. He has a profound. Yeah, absolutely. He has a profound way of stating the obvious. Um, but it's amazing how powerful that can be by mm-hmm. simply saying, yeah, this thing of like, you know, and <laughs> it, but, it, <laughs> sorry, I'm just laughing because I just put the, the fight club. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too, with the, if you're not a consumer, you're mentally ill. Oh, oh shit. I mean, honestly, yeah, he's like buy, sell, <laughs> produce, consume. We're, we're, we spend our lives working jobs that we hate to buy shit, shit we, we don't, don't need. Yep. So fucking true. It's twitchy. Yeah. You know what? It is true. Like it's movies. It's seeing movies like these when I was young 
it, that led me to live the kind of life that I live now. Yeah. It's like trying to this I think in a weird way, this is like superhuman. Lots of this is oh, what, we sure. we all want to get away from that. The we things all you own want, end up owning you, the you know, things and you, you own. Yeah. I never felt that you. more than a anyways. I know, we're just gonna yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I, I think we get some of this too with like so we get that. We get that social commentary. That's one interesting thing about having the future interact with the past or having the past come to the future is it's a good way to shine a, like a, a social critique on like big giant social issues. Like, for example, misogyny or which is weird because in the future. Oh, no, it's my phone. Sorry, it's <coughs> Lorna needs her night drops. But um, we see misogyny handled. We see capitalism handled, mm-hmm. which is crazy because like. It's, it's like this thing we keep talking about with every movie we've ever talked about where like none of them ever outgrow the issues that they're dealing with because our society never kind of stays not a really single static. film no matter how old it's been that we've seen the that animal testing is, yeah. this is the first movie in a while where we've seen genuine animal cruelty on on screen yep the, now it's the not in the, yep it's not the no wait now viewers we don't actually see animal cruelty like it's not, not a trigger warning type thing you know sure. but, but they talk about it and deal with it yeah. well what do they I mean they do they show yeah they, they show sh- a lab they show laboratory the, tests the right in that montage yeah 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 we see we see like a we see a blinding never mind untrigger warned there is I mean like we don't do trigger warnings on the show because I think they're silly because the world's got teeth and you just got to get used to teeth sometimes but um I like bites yeah I mean, I don't like animal cruelty, but it's fucking awful. But like, it's interesting, an interesting choice. The movie itself, the making of this film itself, no animal cruelty. They didn't, they didn't hurt any any animals making this movie, but they used footage that shows. Now that's fucked because like this movie has animal cruelty in it. That animal cruelty is federally approved scientific laboratory testing of animals. Right. So what we're seeing is condoned by the government, the same government that, and I'm doing like I'm doing my You're Tyler doing Durden yeah, yeah, yeah. here, basically, but like the same government that condones those animal that that animal testing, which you know it, even in the show that it's part of like an expose that's causing outrage among the populace, but still that same government is tacitly reinforcing the system of buying and selling and being reduced mm-hmm. to like but also in the future putting people in cages to then experiment on them by to them volunteer them I this. know yeah. like but that's I think that's what he's like that's yeah. the whole point where he, like Bruce Willis sees the animal testing and he goes you look at them they're just asking for it maybe humanity does, does deserve, deserve to, this yeah. to be whipped to burned up so one thing I just had a few minutes a few seconds ago was um, you said that Carl you said that mm-hmm. the um, that La Jete definitely ends on a bleak note sure but it did show us the future the future people people who were okay yes so something has survived yeah because because it does give you that hope and one thing i think about a lot when we talk about movies i a lot of people are like oh you know they're talking about these same subjects again you know that's that's so stale or whatever but i don't think so because I, that's how you work on problems is by you know, revisiting you, you, absolutely and what's the quote? you'll find something new every time you have the conversation oh no, sure and what's the quote it's um i think it was mlk jr said like you know that that the arc of what is it? The arc of humanity is long, but it errs towards righteousness. Yes, something you know, that's very badly. Very, yeah, very. Yeah, right. But but, it, but it, it, we're slowly yeah. curving towards mm-hmm. the right answers. Uh, um, but, but you've got to be patient, and we do see these steps being you know being made and move. You know, it just it takes longer than we want it to be. And and I guess that kind of brings me to my last major note, which is that this is <laughs> that's a, your last major note. Well, we're gonna be here for I, a no. Long you're good. Time, you're good. You're, I'm just saying my last major <laughs> one is uh, is that this is a movie about frustration it's about you know mm-hmm. you know wanting to change the world but not seeing it change fast enough for you and you know knowing the truth and not having anybody believe you you know maybe feeling like am i actually crazy or am i just smart you know yeah. <laughs> and all these no shit. And you know it, it's you know doomed yeah doomed to know the future but no one listens to you the cassandra complex kind of stuff i i feel i feel this way about a lot of alternative thinkers um i think timothy leary is like a, a man like this, like a Cassandra complex kind of guy. I think that like Robert Anton Wilson poses something really interesting and he is citing another scientist, but I can't remember which who, mm-hmm. but he, he posits basically like we talked a little bit about aliens previously, but like extraterrestrial life, if it, if there is any possibility for the existence of interstellar travel and in, in capable by, being capable by extraterrestrial life then that society has a is much advanced on ours right right, right. so like the whole 
the universe is billions of years old. Human beings have only been around for like, like 80, we're talking we're, years? we're talking like well I mean they they push the number back but like you know like Earth itself is only like four, millions four billion it, well four is it four billion four billion for the for the rock for the rock the yeah. rock itself all right so like not like Dwayne yeah. Jeff the rock. Jeff teach so like how long have have humans been around like I don't mo- I, yeah, modern modern humans I, I think thinking eighty thousand years eighty thousand yeah, years is like what it's considered I believe I think that's I, I think right. it's about you know like 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 sentient using tools okay kind of fell out of the trees kind of so then right. like so that's so eighty thousand years and then for the last two thousand years right. we have what we consider like air quotes modern history correct right and only uh, only a hundred and thirty years since the industrial revolution so which wh- is fucking wild one hundred and thirty <laughs> years since the industrial revolution so what robert anton wilson is gets gets into in cosmic trigger is if there are extraterrestrials there are possibly civilizations because the universe is like 10 billion years or like billions of years old yeah. is that we've got about 130 years of technology at our disposal right yes there could be civilizations that are literally Literally billions, billions of, of years, years ahead of us in technology. They could be here in this room with us right now and have no fucking And if you idea. were that far ahead, I wouldn't visit Earth at that. I'd be like, no, I'd be like, that's an ant farm. Yeah. They need some time. I, yeah. I like what he gets oh, in. Oh, they're Ew. adorable. Ew. Look at them. Still wearing clothes. <laughs> Let's step Still on wearing it. clothing. Yeah. Talking with wor- speaking, speaking with, with words. words. They have the jobs thing. Remember we did the jobs <laughs> thing? They actually, they actually prioritize <laughs> the acquisition of currency over <laughs> over <laughs> interpersonal relationships yeah. and self-betterment. <laughs> There's just one giant orgy all the time that explores space. What I'd never, <laughs> what I'd never thought. Wait. I'm just going to take that in for a minute. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, love I mean, forever, there's a, uh, uh, not Silverberg, that's not his name. Fuck. I used to know this guy's name, but there's a great book called, Joe Haldeman wrote this book called The Forever War and the sequel, Forever Peace. Forever Peace, the military has found a way to make basically supercomputers out of people. They combine multiple minds together to control one robot. Yeah. So it's like nine minds or 14 minds or whatever like all meld together to form a unit and it's like a combat unit of this like mech basically Hmm. but he gets into the experience of melding like 10 consciousnesses and you like become a being with like you know five vulvas and five penises and like all of the sexual (laughs) desires of all those people all of the childhood memories of all those people and you become like a super consciousness which we won't get into, but I think that might, might actually be the true nature of reality is yeah. that we're a super organism. But that's neither here nor there. What Robert Anton Wilson gets into that I think is really interesting is so, so you think of I love it. think of like I want six. Think of <laughs> <laughs> well, don't be greedy, no, Jeff. No, but think four of, is enough. <laughs> but think of like so. Think of we've got 130 years of technology. They've got. Two billion years right. of technology. Everyone has four. Oh my God! Ten, like two billion years of technology. But what he right. pointed out was like they also have. Sure, you can put them wherever you want. Perfect. It's the future, Carl. We're talking about my hands billions. And together. Yeah. Bro, cr- oh. CRISPR's probably not even fifty years away. You can turn yourself into one vault, one giant vault. They love it when it's cold, so they have to do this. <laughs> Sorry. This is why. This is why. <laughs> Don't look at me. I'm not. I'm not. I know. I'm not derailing this. I'm looking at you it. for help, Jeff. <laughs> and I'm just. Kidding. I'll keep going. I'm I have it. I have it. Feed him rope. I'll keep going. Think about them not just as a product of their technology, which is a very human way to mm-hmm. think of them as. Like, what are they able to produce? What weaponry oh, sure. can they produce? Yeah. He was saying, like, think about their cultural advances. So we're like a couple hundred years at best into psychology. Right. And like right. understanding the human mind. We're still not sure what really what dreams are. We don't even know what fucking dreams are. You know what I mean? Right. Like we haven't been able to figure out if eggs are good for us or not. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. So, so like, like I just found out that potatoes make you fat and aren't a vegetable. I'm well, like, what? They're a tuber, man. They're so tuber. so imagine a society that's been working on psychiatry and psychology mm-hmm. and mind studies and brain studies for billions of years. Yeah. This is what Jacques Vallée posits. Jacques Vallée posits that it's a that UFOs are actually a like a mental phenomenon or like a psychic phenomenon, like some sort of advanced mind technology to two billion years of like delving into the secrets of the mind until you become like a little gray thing with like a giant fucking dome Hell you yeah. know? that can project itself across time and space I have no idea how we got here but I feel like somehow it's relevant no it feels, <laughs> no, it feels 100% <laughs> relevant to me and and I'll take it back I'll take I, I'll I like this idea I like to play this game because 
it, it's it's very relatable if you think about just how much better we would be if for one year you had to live with a person with an opposite lifestyle and socioeconomic level than yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, like maybe if some 84-year-old asshole in Kansas had lived with a 16-year-old black kid for like a week, he wouldn't have shot the guy who walked up to his door and knocked, you know what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it doesn't take a lot it, it takes so and I'm getting mad it takes so fucking little to relate to people if you take an hour and say hi instead of like don't fucking talk to me mm-hmm. and like and you know so now you you what you're talking about it, it you, the way you posit it, it it because it is big brained but it's we're we can do that if we want to we can, totally. have we can these do that connections. Now. So yeah we can have that now i mean that's kind of what this fucking podcast is for you know what i mean is yep. talking about the things that connect us and the themes and the ideas that we share and have been trying to fucking communicate through art and media and stories for a long time to slowly and inexorably bring us fucking together so we stop fucking pointing weapons at each other. And, and you know, it, it's 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 very achievable and just very easy. And you know what? It feels a whole hell of a lot better than hate. And, Dude, and, it does. It sure does, right? It does. Like, I was as you were talking, like, that's one of the things that I really like about movies and about... Um, I'm a big reader, obviously, too, but like books, too. Is like, I Ew, feel. books? Never mind. <laughs> fucking conversation over. I know. There's all this <laughs> text involved. They're mo- four hours long, five hours sometimes. Or if you're, if it's just Stephen King books, sometimes a full fucking year yeah, of like wow. the stand. But, but like encountering, encounter, one reason that I love fiction over nonfiction, I like both, but like, mm-hmm. is the the variety of lives times places socioeconomic statuses um struggles Mm -hmm. that your characters go through it almost feels like when you engage and you know like there's there's definitely like diversity problems in hollywood all through Mm -hmm. history you know like there's a lot of like white movies and then Conversely, there's also like black exploitation films, you know. So you've got like movies where there's one black character and he dies immediately, just to like because you need somebody to die, so you put a person of color in there to kill them. And then there's like a black exploitation film, which is like, look, we make movies for black people too. Yeah. Now I love black exploitation films; they're fucking awesome, and they have a really, really amazing history. Yeah. And much many of them are killer, mm-hmm. but like, it's cool to like like you're saying, like if you don't have the opportunity to live two weeks. You know, if you're an 85 year old like asshole in Kansas mm-hmm. and you don't, you can't actually live two weeks with like a black kid, you could just pop on a movie that has like lives different from yours in it, or you could pick up a book that has a character on some, you know, like inter- interstellar spacecraft and he's trying to get to his parents but his parents are refugees from this horrible space war that like wiped out his planet so now they're going to another planet and when they arrive there that planet doesn't want them to allow like be allowed off because they're like a racially pure society now you're dealing with modern big issues Mm -hmm. in a fictionalized context it's that Roddenberry effect man yeah you want to speak to social and current issues through the lens of science fiction I feel bad my friend just came to visit for a week and we had sorry her. I, <laughs> no she she had a good time which like she came down here for spring break like she had friends in greece she had friends who went to hawaii and i'm, I'm like, gonna go to traverse yeah I'm like you came here so i'm like, chicago i just read an uh, article yeah like she just she, really well i'm headed to chicago at the end of the month i'll tell <laughs> i'll let you know what i think Thanks. but like she got here and i'm like you came here to like she arrived the night we threw a wrestlemania party so we watched <laughs> wrestlemania and then the next day i was like do you know about simulation theory i'm like are you sure you want to be here for a fucking week but we had her on for a podcast once and like she's a, she's an amazing thinker really really one of my favorite minds on the planet mm-hmm. one of my favorite episodes we've done the one with she's her incredible podcast. yeah i would love to get her which, back uh, for what, what do you guys table. talk about the, the neon one? demon by yeah. uh oh, yeah, nicholas yeah. winding reffin um but i i wanted we had a discussion about censorship and uh in school libraries mm-hmm. like what should be available in a high school library and i came out really gung-ho for like I'm very anti-censorship, like super anti-censorship. Sure. Let's just put it all in the fucking library. Put everything in the library. Like if if a, a kid wants to read a book, they should be able to get that book because kids are pretty good at self-censoring. If the book's too scary, they'll put it down because it's freaking out. They don't want to fucking read it. Yeah. If it's too adult for them, oftentimes they just won't understand <clears throat> the shit that's like really adult and it gets boring. So they just chuck that aside and they'll, they just like self-select to age appropriate stuff. Yeah. And if they want to encounter something that's a little heavier, I read a lot of really heavy books when I was a kid. 
that's cool. Let them encounter the idea. They can have a conversation with an adult about it, especially in like a learning environment, like a school. And then it was like, well, what about the Marquis de Sade and like uh, American Psycho? And I'm like, fuck, because I've read a lot of those. See, I've read most of the de Sade's work and I read mm -hmm. American Psycho in college. And I'm like, I don't know if a 14 year old should have that. But or Mein Kampf. Or Mein Kampf. But, I've got but, Mein Kampf too, though. Like, yeah, I just no, read that for a show. For sure. For sure. Which is, but, and again, like, it's, <clears throat> it's this same, it's this same issue. And the, I, the, where I fall on it is like, I, I after talking with, hey! I'm like, yeah, at work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, like, let kids encounter strong narratives. Mm -hmm. St strong, like, because, like, okay, if you just homogenize by, by like censoring out all of the stories about trans kids or all of the stories mm -hmm. about black kids or like Florida's doing right now, Holocaust narratives. Right. They're literally like throwing Holocaust books out right. of school in Florida. Like what the fuck? So you, you gradually like censor out all of these like other lived experiences except for like Betty met Jack and right. she thought Jack was really cute but Jack was like interested in this other girl and you end up with this like weird white bread censored non-dangerous nerfed fluffy pile of shit which is totally non-representative of the world of or anybody. like the lived experiences <clears throat> of it. So, so I hard. say, you're good bro. So I say throw mine comp on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Mostly because it's poorly written. No kid's going to read that whole book. But, like, if a kid <laughs> wants to read Mein Kampf and be like, listen, teacher, this guy's got some wild ideas about some this, like, this group of people called the Jews. Or if... Boy, if it sounds like a learning opportunity. Yeah, exactly. No, that's the whole point. So, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm back to a place where I say, like, for high schoolers, if you're in high school, ninth grade and above... You should have it all. It should all be at all be accessible to you because right. you got a smartphone. And you're and already watching donkeys have sex with people. Sure, like, right, of right. course. You know what I mean? Like you're already sneaking porn. So well, like, yeah, exactly. Whatever. You so, should, you know, but you and you should have active parents who are going to have these conversations with you and say, "Yep." And if you what don't, you active about? teachers that are available right. to right. help guide through and some that's of that what, stuff. Yeah, who are paid well and can yes. afford and can to have live, the time to yeah, to dig in, spend one on one. But no, but no, you're it's it's a hundred percent obvious really and you know what you're getting when you take all these things away like they're acting like they're like we're protecting the kids we're we're get we're we're sheltering them or saving them from this this evil and all you're really doing are breeding victims because you're breeding people yeah. who don't have any haven't been exposed to any of these ideas haven't built up any sort of self-preservation or self-thinking skills and the minute they walk away from you they're going to be like oh who's this guy with this funky looking swastika thing maybe he's cool because i haven't read a book maybe he's got interesting ideas yeah well, like right. you don't have like i think neil gaiman described it as when you open a book and you read the adventures of of a person especially like i think he was talking about young adult literature but like you meet your your protagonist. They have a problem. Yeah. That problem might be analogous to a problem that you have in the real world. Then you can read the book and find out what they did. Yeah. And you div even if you can't use them now, you pull some tools from their toolbox. And like, oh, for sure. So like, what you you said that you when you when you censor all these things out, you create like a, a basically like a. A generation of, of victims or like a class of people who haven't read haven't experienced yeah, they're going to be victimized i think of it i agree with you but i also think about the the alien race you know two billion years ahead of us mm -hmm. in psychology and psychiatry and and in mind studies and in cultural studies and in personal development and like when you're cutting out narratives that you don't like what you're really cutting out is lived experiences that don't jive with your worldview. Right. So like this is I obviously like it's not even though like I did that that intro to Dark City, mm -hmm. right? And the, the intro to Dark City is all about the nature of reality and how malleable it is. Just mm -hmm. trying to get people to think truly right. about how much we fabricate the reality that we live in. Robert Anton Wilson calls this reality tunnels. If you think about when you censor out books right. that like, okay, no books about black people, no books about LGBTQ issues, right? You create a worldview, literally. Like in the same sense that Christianity is 100% real because it has real world effects, whether or not it is like objectively factual. Right. You create a worldview that just doesn't have LGBTQ ideas in it, doesn't have minorities as part of it. So that those become weird outliers 
in like this sensory information that's coming in to these people because you've created a reality tunnel that doesn't contain the entire like breadth of human experience. You literally like cease to it's it's almost right. like an act of like intellectual genocide to like remove yeah. all those narratives out because you just erase them from people's lived experience of reality. Right. You literally change those people's world. So that's why I'm anti-censorship. I don't oh, know yeah. again how we got that's here. It's all right. Oh, but well. Bruce Willis's Thorazine escape from the, the institution is fucking incredible. <laughs> that's true, too. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. We don't, we don't it, have it to is. dig our way out. Jeff was never going to just be a, a one-episode special guest. <laughs> even even one episode isn't one episode. Uh, everything from La Jete to the end of this conversation, um, part two is going to drop in the next couple of days. But... Uh, all of that, 12 Monkeys and La Jete is all one giant marathon conversation with no breaks. I think the original file is four hours and 15 minutes. He's a maniac. He's a maniac. Gotta love Jeff. Well, I'm headed out of town for about a week, but when I return, Jeff returns for the final official episode of his main season run of Measuring Flicks this year. Uh, we're all getting together to talk about Metropolis. There will be two maybe three additional bonus episodes with Jeff that will be Patreon exclusive. Head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M if you want to catch those where we will be talking about Tongan Ninja and Butt Boy. Um, and then stay tuned around Halloween, maybe Devil's Night. I think it's very likely we will have Jeff on for another... <laughs> Another bonus episode. Uh, we'll also be wrapping up Ryan Gosling month. Finally, Cassandra and I are sitting down probably with special guest, my beautiful wife and insanely talented artist, Bird. Um, we'll be talking about Half Nelson and also Barbie. Uh, all three of us have seen it. Bird's seen it twice. I'm about to see it twice. And Cassandra didn't like it. So, boy, if you want to come here, sparks fly. Don't miss the uh, the Half Nelson episode with a very Barbie special feature. Maybe Barbie will go in the main feed. Maybe it'll go on Patreon. I am not sure yet. We'll see how long that episode goes when Cassandra and I sit down. Woo! Uh, <laughs> and then lastly, while I'm in the UP, I am going to be meeting with a an independent filmmaker about a oh, I don't know how much to tell you uh, there will be there's gonna be news when I get back from the UP and it's very exciting news <laughs> and uh, how much what, what else can I give you um uh, it is very exciting news and the script is really good all right you get out of here now come back in a couple of days listen to part two and check in after that and we'll all know more all right Bye. Question reality.